welcome to today's Flavor of the Week podcast. My guest today is Iman Aoun, an award-winning actress, director and dramaturg. She has an extensive record on stage, on screen and behind the scenes as producer. In 1991, Iman co-founded Ashtar Theatre in Jerusalem and has been instrumental in directing and devising several productions for the company. An internationally recognized theatre trainer specialized in theatre of the oppressed techniques. Iman, it's a great honour to have you here today, um, not only as a prominent figure in the theatre world, but also on the international cultural scene. Thank you, Grazia, for having me. I'm really humbled and I'm really glad to be uh, with you and on Flavor. And, and really, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to be with everyone that is listening to us today. Thank you. Iman, you are the co-founder of Ashtar Theatre. How and why was Ashtar Theatre founded? Well, uh, Ashtar Theatre was founded back in 1991 and um, I, um, I created uh, the theatre with my partner, husband, Edward Malam, who is also an actor-director. Uh, and we started Ashtar Theatre uh, um, to become the first training uh, school for young people at that time. Uh, because uh, prior to uh, Ashtar, there were no theatre schools uh, that would teach regularly and according to a curriculum, um, the uh, young people uh, to become actors. So it was mostly uh, learning by doing. Um, and this is how I personally went into the the world of uh, theatre doing um, and I learned uh, with my previous company that was called Al Hakawati Company. So um, in 91 we wanted really to establish a theatre school uh, for the youth as I said and we started uh, teaching young people aged uh, 14 to 24 school age groups and university age um, and uh, we presented um, a curriculum of three years for them and it was a time uh, a shifting time really uh, in Palestine it was getting out of intifada era um, where chaos was the master of uh, uh, of ceremony at that moment uh, into an idea of nation building uh, and into creating uh, a country um, and an autonomous um, um, like um, political entity so uh, it, it was uh, the dream or the illusion at the time of what the peace process might bring to us so we really wanted to um, to create the foundations of uh, of such a new country, such a new um, political um, um, stability in 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 our um, in our country. So um, so we created Ashtar to give the young uh, students a platform to express themselves, to help them um, dream of their future, and to become. A center of action and not uh, to be uh, reactionists as they were 
um, at the time of uh, of the Intifada. We also wanted to raise their horizons and clarify their vision of the future. And there so was, were, yes, and that was nearly 30 years ago. Yes, exactly. That was twenty-nine years uh, exactly, and and so next year we will turn thirty. Um, and uh, of course, um, when we started, we started in Jerusalem, in Ramallah, in Bethlehem, in Beirut, and in Gaza. So we were uh, quite spread out, and our students who studied with us um, have continued. And then became colleagues of our, of ours, so uh, they became part of our teaching um, pool, and uh, we are really proud of that because uh, most of uh, of our graduates who wanted to continue in the theater world, uh, we had them um, go out uh, and and study more and and go to uh, universities either in the country or uh, in internationally and and then they came back and they became uh, the um, the force of continuing and of uh, um, evolving the organization so it is full circle really for their star theater within the 30 years of activity and how has the theater evolved during this long and varied period of presence in the international cultural scene well, yes, Ashtar, uh, since its establishment, uh, as it was the first theatre school, it was not only, and it did not stay as only uh, a training centre for young people, but we expanded our activities also into the community. And so we started to, um, to train community groups, women groups, uh, uh, people in need of uh, of the training um, techniques, especially when we introduced theater of the oppressed into the country, because we were in in ninety seven the first theater company in the Arab world to introduce that form, and so uh, we started to spread it and translate the books of uh, uh, Boal into Arabic and uh, and use the technique and and multiply the people who really um, can can train. Um, or become jokers. Jokers between brackets are the the trainers of um, uh, of the theater of the press. So um, besides that, we became uh, we created uh, an ensemble inside the theater, and from our graduates, so we became uh, also a professional company that would create uh, plays and perform them locally, regionally in the Arab world and internationally. As well, um, what happened is that uh, when um, when we started, uh, we had a, a vision, we had a goal to really create cultural bridges with the theater world. So from the beginning, we wanted uh, to um, to involve international uh, theater makers in our work, and we we wanted also to uh, take our culture and our stories and our uh, theater um, uh, techniques and artistry to the world. So uh, we became a touring uh, company that would um, continuously perform in international festivals uh, and tour um, in in various places around us. So one of that uh, um, 
I mean, one of the the major programs or projects that we have done to continue that reel, to continue that vision, was the Gaza monologues in 2010. And then it was followed by the Syrian monologues um, that was connected to the Syrian crisis uh, of uh, refugees. Um, and then uh, we also uh, presented, or we, we were invited by the Globe Theatre uh, to produce Richard II as part of the Globe to Globe in, uh, global or international project uh, when uh, the Globe Theatre in 2012 wanted to invite um, all the um, theatre companies in the different languages to present on their stage because they wanted really to festive uh, or to feel um, the festivity of the language and how all the, the different um, cultures around the world had uh, worked and used uh, the plays of Shakespeare and how much they were affected by Shakespeare's work. So we were uh, the only company that presented in the Arabic language on the Globe Theatre and we were really humbled by that and, and really happy about it a lot. So that, that was one of the, yeah, that was one of the um, the major, uh, if you want, the major co-productions that uh, we have entered, but we have done many, many more with many different uh, theatre companies from UK, from Ireland, from the US, from the Arab world. So uh, Ashtar Theatre is always open, uh, opening its doors to um, theatre companies and theatre makers to come and to co-produce and and to use our stage and <laughs> and to work with our team of course because obviously the spirit of co-producing that's what has led to these prestigious cooperation and co-production with the globe theater in uh, in london and as you said from there um i know that you were actually um due to go to canada uh, for the summer and then you had also other projects in Italy and it has been a strange summer. We are still going through stage times in uh, 2020 but that, that spirit of cooperation and collaboration is very much part of the core of um, the Ashtar Theatre where there is so much to really celebrate between the nearly 30 and also the, um, the celebration of the 10 years anniversary of the Gaza monologues, which they became worldwide known. Um, could you talk to us about the essence of this project and how it has impacted the life of some young people? Sure. Well, the Gaza monologues um, as a project uh, stemmed from the idea that um, Gaza uh, was uh, under attack for 22 days in 2008-2009, and like December, January, um, and the people there, uh, as civilians, were viciously and uh, um, like harassed and, and attacked by airplanes, by tanks, by by phosphoric bombs uh, that were internationally um, banned. And uh, the whole world was really um, looking at, at what is happening in Gaza 
through the TV or the, through the media, but no one really made a move to stop what Israel occupa- Israeli occupation was doing. And what we wanted to do is to flip the table. I wanted, because I was living in Jerusalem, I mean, I live in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is, is only 30 kilometers away from Gaza, which is really like uh, 35 um, minutes away, 45 minutes away. So I was so close, but so, uh, so much far away. I couldn't even, I cannot enter Gaza. Since 1909, Ashtar Theater um, that is working inside Gaza since 1992 are not able to enter the, uh, the strip because we were uh, banned from uh, permissions, we are not allowed to enter, there are always checkpoints. So I wanted uh, really to work with our students who were there and because As I said before, we are a theater, a theater school, and so um, we have plenty of, of students, and I wanted their voice to be heard. I wanted the world to, to hear an, um, a different um, voice to, to Gaza, to really understand what is happening, um, and, um, and not to look at Gaza only as casualties or as a, a conflict um, zone uh, that they might take uh, either uh, one side of, uh, uh, of the conflict or the other. But I wanted them to really get to understand who we are as people and, and who the young people uh, and how the young people are suffering. So uh, we went into a, a long project a year-long project with them, training them to use uh, creative writing, theater of the oppressed uh, techniques and, and drama training, whereby we were able to reach to a point where they were able to tell their testimonies, stories that are really um, deeply touching because many of our students have lost their homes, their parents or their siblings or friends um, and they uh, they were really post-traumatic all of Gaza was post-traumatic at that time so the, the main goal was to uh, help these young people to overcome the post-traumatic uh, syndrome that the Israeli, Israeli occupation have imposed on them uh, by this attack and also to create empathy and solidarity with them from the world. So um, so the second layer of uh, uh, the second goal, the most international goal was to really help the young people around the world, same age of our students who were almost 13 to 18 to um, to create awareness and to understand that um, peers or kids uh, same age they are suffering what they are uh, suffering and to create solidarity between them so um, so the solidarity aspect uh, was 
a strong aspect because I believe that um, young people of today are leaders of tomorrow. And so if they did not understand at that time when they were still young, they might lose it when they are older because they are not able to engage in, uh, in reality um, and in, in their emotions and their empathy towards others. Um, so what happened um, is that we took these stories that uh, our students, 33 of them, had written we translated them into English and French, and then we disseminated them around the world from China, Australia to Canada, passing by all the continents. So 36 countries uh, were reached with, uh, and 52 groups of theater have um, grabbed these monologues um, connected with Ashtar and agreed um, and asked to do the performance on the 17th of October. Now the 17th of October 2010 was the massive performance of the Gaza monologues whereby more than 1,500 kids of the age of the, between 13 and uh, 18 performed these monologues. Um, in the beginning, it started in Gaza when the Gazans, uh, when the Gazan uh, writers of the monologues, the 33 of them, had uh, launched their monologues in small paper boats uh, in the sea. And why so? Because it was the time when Israeli occupation have attacked the flotilla that was coming to um, uh, to break the siege on Gaza. Because Gaza at that time had already uh, four years under siege. And by the way, Gaza is still under siege after 14 years now. So that's the irony of, uh, of the matter. Now, uh, after the launching of these monologues, um, the different groups from the different uh, notable countries, starting by Far East in China, they started to perform the Gaza monologues. And then one after the other, everyone that had the seven o'clock in the evening uh, were performing as a domino effect until they reached Canada. So uh, so that was the, the date or the day of the Gaza monologue uh, celebration. Later, um, I wanted a, a third main goal for this project. Now that we have been working with the kids in Gaza uh, and we also worked on a global level, I wanted uh, the voices of these young people in Gaza to reach the um, uh, the decision makers, the politicians. Therefore, I wanted to, to target uh, the UN um, uh, representatives, and and there uh, I have expanded an invitation. Uh, sorry, I have extended an invitation uh, to the uh, who had uh, performed the, the monologues and took one of each country 
and I was able to bring 22 young people to present the monologues in the name of the Gazan uh, writers because uh, the Gazans were under siege, they couldn't leave uh, Gaza to go to the UN. But those young people were able to come to the UN and present the monologues in 18 different languages to the um, General Assembly on the 29th of November in 2010, the day of the inalienable rights of the Palestinian people. So that was the, the main project. But since then, until today, um, different universities and schools are still performing the Gaza monologues because the Gaza monologues became like uh, the Anne Frank diaries. They are very empathetic and very true and very, um, very um, transparent of emotions and senses and of reality of what had happened to the young people and to the people of Gaza in 2008-2009. Yes, and um, obviously we're talking about young lives here who 10 years on um, have lived through and hopefully have evolved. And can you give us um, examples and what you've just said is really touching. That's why I'm actually quite, quite emotional thinking of all these children who really um, in, in any situation, in any conflict, in any um, you know, negative situation from the micro to the macro, um, it is heartbreaking when children are involved. And so I would like to know if um, the, the, there is any good news, let's say, how has this project uh, turned you know, lives around and the, the people of uh, the Gaza monologues and the young people the Gaza monologues obviously have moved on 10 years on. What do they do now? Mm. That's a good question. Yes, sure. I mean, the young people, um, let's say, because they were 33, uh, of course, not all of them were able to continue after the Gaza monologues because it was very demanding at that time, uh, a continuous training for the uh, for the boys and girls. So many of the students and mainly the girls were pushed out of the, the project by their families as the social norms um, are not <laughs> very open at the, in Gaza. So, um, but 17 of them had followed uh, a three-year um, continuous training and they graduated from the program of Ashtar Theatre and uh, they had their um, diploma and became professional actors. So uh, they continued to produce new plays and to perform to the, uh, to the Gaza audience. Of course, some of them were able to uh, get out of Gaza and perform with Ashtar Theatre internationally. We were able to tour uh, only in a small period when um, the Egyptian um, regime was changed and the borders were open for almost a year and a half. So we toured the UK, Poland, uh, um, Egypt and uh, Jordan uh, and, um, and Germany uh, at that time. So, uh, and that was a really big, um, a 
a big thing for for these young people uh, getting to know and and to um, experience uh, other cultures and and other countries so um, many of them continued their um, the work in in theater and some of them had really um, chosen to leave Gaza for good at least for the time being uh, because it is a big prison so some of them went to Morocco and started uh, a new theater company in Casablanca um, one came to uh, uh, to Ramallah and now is working with us at, as Tashtar theater um, there's six people in Gaza who are our main trainers in the schools at the moment in Gaza uh, and we are very proud of them and, and their um, development um, and uh, the internationals and, and before the internationals and, and those young people really uh, what they say is that uh, if they were not part of the Gaza monologues their lives would have been totally and completely different because this project had turned their life down they had it give it gave them a, a magic of understanding uh, who they are uh, a, a magic uh, um, baton <laughs> a magic stick to to really um, uh, like uh, change the reality because they were transformed completely they became stronger uh, stronger individuals they have um, cemented their um, emotions and senses with beauty and charm uh, they became people with um, open uh, eyes and horizons so uh, and they understand what it means to change the lives of others so in 2014 when uh, uh, the Israeli occupation attacked one once more and the the civilians in Gaza and made another war that was even worse than uh, the one in 2010 uh, sorry in 2008 and 9 um, those young people went into the schools in Gaza and trained a thousand of young people who suffered the same way they did at that time and uh, using the training that they have gained that they have uh, followed to pass to to the young people and um, many beautiful stories and uh, was uh, came out of of that training as well so um so um what i'm trying to say is that uh, we were able really to um, to help a group of people to readjust and to um, transform and to become stronger human beings and as well the 22 um, young people who came to the UN with us the internationals at the moment they're still sending out um, to us messages of thank you and of hope at the moment i have uh, launched a new call because of the 10 years 
remembrance of the Gaza Monologues project. As well, we are all living under lockdown. And I wanted really for the young people to uh, remember and to think whether there is a new contemplation, a new understanding uh, after they have been locked down by the um, coronavirus pandemic, whether they have realized something new about the Gaza lockdown and siege, especially as I said that the the siege had been there for 14 years now. So I'm asking uh, the international um, participants to make a one minute lockdown message on video and send it uh, to us um, remembering and contemplating and thinking of the future and what they as young as youth now can do for the embetterment of our future altogether which is fantastic because appreciate the most that what actually comes across the most um, is that the Gaza monologues uh, politics apart or taking parts apart as flavored being apolitical and non-partisan it is the human side here that is the core of the initiative it is the helping it is the really nourishing um, children and young lives which have suffered trauma for you know different reasons so what i really appreciate is again is is the, is the human side that comes through and helps turning people around and this is what theater can do and this leads really to my to my next question on how do you see the impact of um, theater going forward not only as an entertainment but also as an educational and social work. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, theatre, since it was its creation, it was always with a message and strongly with a message. And usually it was either a political message or a social message. So um, even Shakespeare's plays are political. So, um, I don't think that theater in itself is only entertaining. Of course, the entertainment part of uh, of the aesthetics, of the beauty, of uh, arousing the um, the um, uh, the senses uh, and making the people um, enjoy the moment. That doesn't mean that the the theater is a tool also to Uh, create new uh, realities, to really provoke the mind, to uh, help the people realize and understand. It is stop and think art. It is an art that, um, that penetrates the seventh wall, as I put it. And when I say the seventh wall, I mean the wall of the unconscious or the unconscious of the audience, because it, it works really uh, deeply and, um, and strongly, um, even if it is not an immediate um, realized 
that ha- that will be made but it's always there we think of what we heard or what we have seen in one of the plays or on one of the stages so uh, it is an art that um, makes us better humane people absolutely because i think everyone can remember leaving the theater after um having watched the performance having watched a drama a play and having that moment of recognition and that moment where you ponder and then you do have this moment of critical thinking you actually take responsibility for what you have seen so there's always this interaction between the actors the stage the theater itself the content and the person who is actually the spectator of something that is displaying in front you know of their eyes probably you know because it it really strikes all the time and it really goes down to the core of you know the, not only the mind of the people but the, the the heart of the people who are watching the performance so Absolutely. i totally agree with you and especially especially when we use uh, theater of the oppressed that is very interactive as well Uh, because um, if uh, I would recall um, the proverb that says, if you tell me, um, I, w- I might forget. If you show me, I might remember. But if you involve me, I will definitely remember. So involving the audience, involving the people in the idea, in the uh, presentation, in the um in the message um that that is the issue that is when uh, the audience uh, are transformed themselves as well definitely definitely and you see this is all a positive experience that the theater gives you and as we are coming to the end of our podcast um i would really like to close on a positive note and i would like to ask you iman uh, what message of hope and vision would you like to give to the world despite the social and political uncertainties of our time um well i would say responsibility is not a choice the old shouldn't be say it's not my responsibility it's the politics the, the politics or the politician responsibility is the economists it's not no every and each one of us is responsible to make this planet a place for each and everyone to live equally otherwise we are all going to a very difficult time and we have tested this with the corona virus pandemic thank you <clears throat> thank you so much man and now i really would like to delight our audience with uh, iman performing for us would you well. like to <laughs> this is a surprise Well, uh, I could I couldn't I couldn't resist it to ask you. <laughs> well, uh, 
Okay, so uh, I maybe I would uh, recite a poem. That would be okay. fantastic. Okay, because uh, I don't think I can do a play at the moment, <laughs> but I I will write um, a poem called Even by Natalie Handel, a French American poet born to a and she's living in New York at the moment. So, even. Nothing is even. Writing. Even this line I'm waiting in, waiting for permission to enter the country, the house, the room. Nothing is even. Even now that close have been drawn and peace is discussed on high tables. And even if all was said to be even, I would not believe for even I know that nothing is even. Not the trees, the flowers, not the mountains or the shadows. Our nature is not even. So why even try to get even? Let us find an even better place and call it even. That is just wonderful. I'm so tempted to clap, 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 but I will just appreciate it. So thank you so much, Iman. Really, thank that you. was quite poignant. Thank, thank you. Excellent. Well, it has been a great pleasure and a great honor to have you on Flavor of the Week. And I would like to thank you. I would like to thank our audience, all the listeners. And please, if you do have any questions, you know that you can always email us on info at flavored.it. And if you have any questions for Iman, you can just put forward your questions and we will be delighted to reply. So thank you again and thank you, Iman. Thank you. Thank you, Grazia. And thank you for all the listeners. Thank you for listening to our Flavor of the Week podcast. I am Grazia Giuliani and I invite you to find more information and curiosities about us by visiting www.flavored.it and you can follow us on Instagram at flavored.it you can also ask questions on our podcast and put forward your ideas by emailing us at info at flavored.it thank you for listening